Um, I just think there might be someone here with um, yeah, a pain um, in their kind of the um, the left hand side of their stomach. Um, is there anyone here? Left hand side of the stomach, you've had pain. Alicia, can we all get can we get around Alicia? Lay hands. These guys will just continue to pray play a moment. We're going to pray for healing. And um, I don't like there's no magic formula to healing, but one of the things I like to pray is where it says that you know when um, when you ask when you ask the Father for a loaf of bread, He doesn't give you a snake, and that God loves to give good gifts to His children, and so God wants to express His love over Alicia. Um, so Susie, do you want to pray first?
you restore what seems unrestorable, you reconcile what seems irreconcilable, you make all things new. And we thank you, God, that you invite us to be co-laborers, to be a part of that. That you could do this yourself, but you invite us to be with you. We give you all thanks and honour and praise. Amen. I just wondered before um, before we uh, I start this morning whether there's anyone who wants to share any testimonies from last night. Any um, brave folks have anything kind of significant going for the last night that they'd like to share?
above that and stuff that people haven't, places people haven't gone mm. for spiritual giftings. Um, and yeah, I feel like God's just kind of full of passion on my heart to pray for others, for, you know, just for release in, in that area. Um, and I've been sitting on a word for a long time, actually, that um, God just kind of, he keeps on bringing it back, bringing it back to me, bringing it back to me, and it's just kind of like, what I see is a kind of like a mist or a cloud or whatever of Father, and it's been wherever I've been in community, um, and I feel like God's just saying, it's so close, it's right there, all you need to do is put your hands up and grab it, mm. it's just right there, and because it's like literally just above the heads of everyone, and there's like this kind of just break through the fear or the doubt or the embarrassment or whatever, and literally it's right there within arm's reach. Mm. Mm. Um, Awesome. Um, I think there's um there's a Kiwi thing that like when we talk about spiritual gifts and God gifting us with things, this um Kiwi thing of like who? Me. Um and um I can remember a couple of years ago sitting out in the car at Lyle Bay and um and praying, looking out of the wood at Lyle Bay is a great place, so the spirit of God is just rich there. Um and because um, we don't have the spirit in town, so it's kind of out there need to. Um, Apparently there's some people praying out there or something. They record worship albums and it's just soaking. Um, but um, I was just sitting there looking out over the water and praying and I um, saw, I put out my hands and um, I saw God put these tools into my hands and then I was like, handed them back. And then he was kind of like, like handed them back to me and I was like, handed them back. And he handed them back to me and the last time he's kind of like, just freaking take the tools, you know? <laughs> Um, and that's like when we're talking about like you can get a little bit hocus pocus around the stuff of spiritual gifts. Um, and it is, there is a mystery and there is a, a mystical element to it. But there's also a thing of us just being equipped by God for the good of the body and for the good of the world. Um, and in the same way that, you know, as Kiwis, when we kind of hide our talents in order not to um, make anyone else feel insecure, when we kind of refuse to take what God is offering us, then we actually, like, it's not only that we lose out, like, the body loses out, too. Like, we all lose out. Like, we actually, like, in the same way that, um, you know, that we need all these different talents in the church or any organisation, we need these supernatural gifts that God gives to be a healthy people. And it's better for everybody and better for you when you take the flipping tools. Um, and so that's kind of a little bit what we're here for this weekend. So um, what I'm going to share about you is gifts of the Spirit. Um, so we're going to begin at um, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. And I'll read that to you. No, it's not 8 to 10. It's 4 to 11. Um, okay, so it says this. This is Paul speaking. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through, there is given through the Spirit of a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one 
just as he determines. And so what are the purpose of these gifts? I mean, there's some weird things in there, healing, miracles, hearing things you shouldn't know, speaking in weird languages. Um, and the purpose of these gifts, morning, Corral. Um, the, um, the purpose of these gifts is not to get weird together, which is sometimes where we stop with them. The purpose of these gifts is not to be more spiritual than one another. Um, you do not get these gifts for having done your two or three years of following Jesus first. Um, and um, I think sometimes we think it's the heavyweights who get the gifts. Um, but actually, it's funny because I've seen people running from God operating in their spiritual giftings. Um, you know, that, um, that once God gives the gift to you, he will not revoke it. And, um, and he will give that to you the day you come to faith. Um, so it's not, um, this is not a promotion. Um, and, um, and it's not about confusing people in a new faith or like it just being weird. It says, verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So the reason we are given these gifts is so that everything is better for everybody. That's why. It's real simple. So that as a body, um, and the, the body would, would be made stronger, would be made healthier, so that God's world would be healed and brought into restoration as well. It is for the common good. And I think that helps us to go that these spiritual gifts are not some far-off, wacky thing, but they're actually very practical. It's like, what are you going to need? You know, Jesus says to the disciples, he says, go out into all the world, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, go and bring everyone to Christ. And then what he does with these is he gives us the tools to do that. So it's not that hocus pocus. It's like, I have given you a mission, and I have given you what you need to accomplish that mission. That's what spiritual gifts are. Um, And so the purpose of spiritual gifts is to edify the body, to bring health to the body, um, 1 Corinthians 14.4 Anyone who speaks in tongues edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So edification and encouragement. These gifts are for building up the people of God, to reveal the children of God as who they truly are, to unify us all together, to help us hear God together. So what, what these gifts are about, they're not about you, they're about what you bring to the body. Um, so this morning I want to talk about those, and I've kind of, there's quite a few there, so I've just broken them down into kind of three uh, things, because three is a really good number for a sermon. Um, and, um, and that is wisdom and knowledge, gifts of healing and the miraculous, and different kinds of tongues and interpretation. First of those I want to talk about is um, wisdom, words of knowledge, and prophecy. Um, a few years ago when we had um, Cindy Ruakiri come through, um, she gave me this word, and, and she, said, um, she said to me, she said, you are to be a trailer. And what will happen is you will get put on a vehicle and you'll move a heavy load. And then God will pick you up and put you on a different vehicle and you'll move a heavy load. And that's what you're going to do. Um, and for me, that was like a really transformative moment because it was hearing from God what his will and call was on my life. And something that I could filter a whole lot of decisions for on how I serve him in the years to come. So knowing that when I come into Blueprint, I'm probably not going to be here for 20 years because I'm going to move a heavy load and then I'm going to go. And, and even coming to terms with the fact that there's going to be a sadness and a grief to that journey, that I'm going to come for a little while, move a heavy load and then go. And so part of the function of, of words of knowledge and of us hearing the inside of God and giving that to another person is for them to be more obedient to the call that God has put on their life, for them to be able to be more faithful for that. The crazy thing that happened with that is when... Um, when I was uh, ordained, um, ordained priest, Justin, Bishop Justin put his hands on my head to pray. And the first words that came out of his mouth, he did not know this, was, God, we thank you that Scotty has made to move heavy things. 
And so what um, words of knowledge and what prophecy can do is when we can share something with someone like that, we can move a massive block for them in their understanding of who God is and who God has called them to be and help them to walk into who they truly are. And that's it. We actually need people. If we're going to do this mission of baptising the whole world in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we need to know who we are. And so one of the roles of, of prophecy, of speaking out, of hearing God and speaking that over someone's life, is that we get to know who we are called to be. And I think we need that so bad as a church full of millennials, eh? Because it's pretty hard to know who to be and know who we are, and we tend to flip from one thing to, the, to another. We're maybe not as bad as, as some here in Blueprint, but, but to have words from God, where someone comes up and it's just a little moment, they speak over us and say, this is who I think God is calling you to be, can be incredibly powerful. Um, the scripture example of this, John 4, words of knowledge. Jesus um, walks into this town um, in Samaria where he's not supposed to be, and he rolls up to this well, and he bumps into this woman who's come to draw water in the middle of the day. She's out there in the middle of the day rather than when it's cooler at the beginning or end of the day um, because she's a, a woman of bad reputation, and she's tried to come out there when she won't be ridiculed by anyone else. And she comes out and sits at the well, and Jesus and her get into this conversation that begins being about water. And what I love about the conversation that Christ has with her, it's like the perfect picture of evangelism. If you want to see how evangelism should go, it goes from the thing we all need, water, to the personal thing, to the eternal thing. Anyway, side note there. Um, but, um, but so he sits with her, they draw some water together, they talk about water, how they all need it, how there's never enough of it, how it's hard to get. And then all of a sudden, Jesus brings this bombshell. She says, I'll have to go back and get my, my husband. And he says, I think you have more than one husband, don't you? She's like, oh, yeah. So I think you have five. She's like, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And, um, and she goes, after he leaves, um, she goes, he says to her, don't tell anyone about this, as Jesus often does, and nobody can ever shut their mouth. And, uh, and so John 4.28, it says, Then leaving her water jar, I love that, she forgot about the first need by this point. She's so pumped on what God is revealing in her that she forgot she needed the water. And she's going for something deeper. She says, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? So this prophecy, one of the roles of words of knowledge and prophecy is that it reveals Christ to us that it reveals Christ to one another, that actually she began at water and then went to a conversation about her husband, but in Christ's knowledge and hearing of God and, and, and speaking into that, it was revealed who the Messiah was. This is a powerful, powerful thing. I remember a few years ago, um, so that, that second role, sorry, of prophecy um, is that it reveals Christ to us. Remember a few years ago at Blueprint, there was a young guy who turned up at Blueprint for the first night, ended up journeying with us for a few years, and um, I had this weird word, um, and uh, thought, oh man, I have to share this with this guy. So I went up and I said, um, hey, just wanted to let you know, God is with your mother. Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I hope God's doing something else here, because that's a weird thing to say to a person. And um, he just immediately breaks down. And it turned out he was, um, he was over from South America. His mother was back at home. She had mental health conditions and she'd just gone back into hospital. Um, and so the third thing of this prophecy and words of knowledge is that it comforts the distressed. Um, is that God gives us words. Sometimes it's hard for us to hear God for ourselves. But, 
but we can hear from the outside in a way that allows us to speak into somebody's pain and bring them healing. So, so, so it's for the common good, as it says in that verse 7. You can see how this is for the common good. And that, uh, that word from Cindy Uruakiri, that it, it became clearer to me what my call was and how to follow God obediently. In Christ's interaction with the woman at the well, it was revealed who Christ was through, her knowledge of, through his knowledge of her situation. And in that situation with um, my mate at church, it is someone in deep pain who is comforted while they're distressed. This is like a very practical, powerful gift, eh? Um, So that's the first of it. Wisdom, words, knowledge, and prophecy. Is this all good? Helpful? Cool. Um, The second one is gifts of healing and the miraculous. Um, I, a few years ago, used to go to Vineyard Church with Naomi um, and um, an awesome, awesome time there. And uh, I remember one night, um, I was actually on sound there, um, and... um, I suddenly got this headache. I was like, I'd seen a lot of people, some of you have probably seen this, like I did before actually, jump up and be like, I think there's this pain going on for someone. And for the first time I wondered, I'm like, I wonder if this headache is somebody else's. Um, so I just sort of, without asking, just rolled up the front and sort of weaved through the worship team and grabbed the microphone, <laughs> like 17 or 18. Um, and, um, and just said, I think there's someone here who's had like these prolonged headaches. Um, and this girl came forward, and it was the first time she'd ever stepped into a church, um, and she was just blown away. We prayed for her, and she was set free from her migraines that night and gave her heart to the Lord. Um, and just like incredible thing, and it only came for me from a place of going, I wonder if this thing I'm feeling is actually not about me. I wonder if this is a gift for someone else. I wonder if this is for the common good. You know, that wasn't heroic. It was just like following a little prompting. Um, and you guys got to know, every time I get up here and give a word for healing, I'm like a little bit nervous about whether it's going to be right or wrong or not, but I just don't care anymore. Um, because so often I've also found the case where people I've heard say maybe someone has been at church for the first time and they are so freaked out by what has happened that they don't tell anyone, but they walk away knowing that God is with them in their pain and in their struggle. And I'm like, so that's worth looking like a fool for, right? Totally. Um, so gifts of healing and the miraculous um, and, and I, I said this um, and so for her for her who came to faith one of the roles of healing and the miraculous is to reveal the heart of the father to reveal the heart of the father to his children I quoted this before when we were praying for Alicia Luke 11 10 to 13 which of you fathers if your son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion if you then know that you are evil Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Like, man, I think we have this mentality where we think God gets off on being withholding. Hey, we're like, we think that like God wants to make it tough for us to like know Him. Um, but I kind of feel like, you know, when you go to the cross, you've kind of taken the initiative. And we don't need to wonder if God actually wants us, right? Um, like, we don't, we're not unclear whether God wants us. And we're not unclear whether God wants, like, relationship with us like it's it's kind of yeah it's kind of ridiculous like if we're still asking that question when his son went to the cross and died for us over six or seven hours raised defeating the powers of death and then we go does god want me does god want a relationship with me he absolutely does and so one of the power i think of um of healing in the miraculous is it reveals the heart of the father to us and it comes against this thing that thinks that god loves to be withholding and loves to make it hard for us to reach him, that actually no God comes to us and wants to restore us and we see that he is not a father 
You know, do, do you ever get into that thing where you're like, oh, um, I better not do this because I bet the moment I make that decision, God will ask me to do something totally different? Like, that's, that's what I read about this a while ago. That's called foreboding joy. That's not a spiritual gift. That's the belief that whenever things start going good in your life, God is going to screw them up. That is not who God is. Now, God will ask you to lose your life to find it, and there will be times where God will ask you to do things you don't really want to do, but he will equip you with what you need to do them. God is not waiting to screw up your best laid plans all the time. And so when healing in the miraculous comes, often what it is, is it's about going, I love you, and I want you to be whole, and I want you to be well, and yes, I'll heal your arm, but actually I want your heart to open up and understand this passage, that I'm a good father who gives good gifts, and I don't hold them back. And I'm up for it, if you're up for it. Like Naomi said, the cloud is just there. Reach out and take it. The tools are here. Um, and scripture example of this, you've got um, John 5. Um, I'm going to read two passages from John of, of Christ healing. It says, Sometime later there was a religious gathering of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem there is a pool with five porches called Bethesda near the Sheep Gate. Inside these porches lay many sick people. Some were blind. Some could not walk, some could not move their bodies. All of them were waiting for... Sorry, an angel of the Lord came at certain times and made the water move. All of them were waiting for it to move. Whoever got in the water first after it was moving was healed of whatever sickness they had. A man was there who had been sick for 38 years. Let's think about that for a moment. Sick for 38 years. Jesus saw him lying there and knew the man had been sick a long time. Jesus said to him, would you like to be healed? The sick man, I think that's interesting, eh? Because sometimes after 38 years, or if we've been in the same struggle or suffering for a long time, we kind of actually don't want to be healed. We've kind of hinged our identity around our suffering. Anyway, the sick man said, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is moving. While I am coming, another one runs and gets in first. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your bed and walk. At once the man was healed and picked up his bed and walked. This happened on the day of rest. <laughs> like that line in the end. Happened on the day of rest. Um, side note: One thing I love about this is um, one of the the rules they have at the um, at Kaligat, um, the home for the destitute and dying in Kolkata, is don't do for anyone what they can do for themselves. And I love this thing here that um, you know, um, Jesus doesn't even reach down. He just says, "Get up, pick up your bed, and walk." And the man walked off of his own accord. Um, John nine: As he went along, Jesus saw a man blind from birth again prolonged, painful illness. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? So that first one, one of the roles of the miraculous and of healing is to reveal the heart of the Father. Um, but the second one is total reconciliation. Can you imagine the community who knows that a man has been blind for his entire life and all he does is sits? for 20 or 30 years, and then one day he gets up and goes on with his life. What does that do for a community, you know? 
Like, what does that actually do for that man? And what does it do for the people who love him? What does it say about the heart of God when a man who has been sick for 20 years gets up and sees again? Like, that is community transformation. As I read something like this, I realise that there's no difference between what the free store does and what this is. That they're as practical as one another. That when we hear the story of a guy at the free store who manages to save a bunch of money and get out of debt by getting his food from the free store every day, what does that do to that man? What does it do to his perception of himself? What does it do for his community? You know? And this is the same stuff. This is what I'm saying. It's practical, people. That when someone is reconciled and brought back into the fullness of life, you know, Jesus said, the enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy. I have come so they might have life and life to the fullest. You know, this is what Christ wants to do for us because it changes us and it changes our communities when people have been trapped in traps of poverty and of sickness and, and of bad self-talk and of bad mental health and we've all been through all this stuff. You know, our community is full of the walking wounded but when this happens, it transforms our communities, right? Like, it is, it is a whole another game. The man who used to just sit by the pool all day the man who used to sit in the dirt all day, the woman who bled constantly, their lives were completely changed. One of the roles of healing in the miraculous is to reveal the heart of the Father, but it is to restore people to their basic dignity as humans, that we would be seen as we were intended to be. The thief comes only to steal, rob and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. That sounds like something for the common good to me, right? And so the final one of these, um, the weirdest one, is different kinds of tongues and interpretation. Woo-wee. Um, and, um, and we see this appear at the start of Acts 2. And, uh, and it says that they spoke in different tongues and everyone could understand them in their own language. And, and what this appears to bring is it appears to bring this unity to people who otherwise would not have been unified. Um, and this is one of the hardest things to get our heads around um, because the other gifts seem to do something much more useful than this. Um, like, seem to be a lot more practical. But yet you have Jesus say in Mark 16, 17, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Now, there are some people who have read passages on tongues here when I was um, looking through commentaries who go, Oh, it's people with ability to speak other languages. They're bilingual. Um, which, you know, may be the case in some of these passages, but I do think it's an odd play to say they will drive out demons and be bilingual. <laughs> like, it seems like there's something a little more dramatic going on here. Um, they will do exorcisms and also be fluent in German. Like, <laughs> um, so he seems to be driving it like something like a little bit different here. Um, Paul gives a little more context in 1 Corinthians 14 too. He says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Ooh. Um, I liken this to Romans 8, 25, 28, where it talks about how we don't know how to pray. It says, If we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searched our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. So this is saying here that there is something real mysterious about God. 
real mysterious about his spirit. Jesus talks about the spirit being like a wind that comes and goes and nobody knows where it comes from or where it's going to. That there's something mysterious here and that there's something mysterious about our spirit too. I talked the other week at Blueprint about how when we try to talk about God, often all we can talk about is metaphors. And we say God is kind of like a mountain or he's kind of like a river or it's kind of like a father or a son and a ghost sitting around a table. You know, we kind of like go to like these metaphors to try and explain God. And I think tongues is another one of these things where the unexplainable mysteries of our faith find a way out briefly, but we don't necessarily know what's happening there. There are mysteries within our spirit we can't explain. There are mysteries of God we cannot explain. There is a spiritual realm we cannot explain. And I think tongues are a spiritual language that briefly grab hold of that mystery. Probably not like making this much clearer, eh? But like, what I'm saying is it's real mysterious and sometimes we speak in a way that expresses that mystery. And there's one caveat that is given around this, which like our church and pretty much no church actually does, but which we should do. It's 1 Corinthians 14, 23. It says, Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and unbelievers come in, won't they say you're out of your mind? So they're like walking and we're all like, bought a Kawasaki, should have bought a Honda. And they're all like, what is going on here? These people are cracked, you know? And, um, and wondering, um, wondering what is going on. So he says, I love this, like Paul is like, you know, he's even saying like, guys, like just remember that there are going to be seekers in your ancient um, Near East culture church and they are going to find you really weird if you just start babbling all the time. But he kind of, um, what he provides is a little bit of a, um, a way around this. He says, what you need is an interpreter. And this is another gift. And one of the beautiful things about tongues is it's meant to op- operate in tandem with an interpreter. And uh, as I know, Alicia is, I think, the only person we have here with that gift. But Alicia actually hears tongues as if they were being spoken normally. And so what she will often do is be able to write down into your hand these sheets to me afterwards. She's like, I don't know if you know, but this is what you were saying. Um, and so um, and so this is one of the, the gifts that comes. And I think sometimes um, what tongues actually does um, is, um, is it, it calls forth the spiritual mystery into, into our midst. And so often I think in worship, um, there is a, a role where we declare things in the spiritual language and there is there is some other thing that goes on and then something happens and Jesus turns up and it's great. Um, and, um, and so that's, that's that one. So these, these things are for the common good. Now that we would all be built up, that the church would be built up, that we would operate more as who we are meant to be. So, so to summarise these three things, prophecy is, if you want the Cliffs notes, here it is. Boom, Gina's got a notepad out. Always a input, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, so prophecy is about revealing Christ to people. It's about encouraging them. It's about, you know what, I'll put this on the Facebook page too. It's about calling them to faithfulness. And it's also about comforting the distressed. Healing and the miraculous is about revealing the heart of the Father to his children. And it's about restoring our dignity and our humanity as God's creation. And then finally, tongues and interpretation are about revealing the mysteries of God, speaking what our spirit can't speak, calling out what we can't yet see. So all of these things are for the common good of the body. They're not for weirdness. 
They're not for a spiritual promotion. They are for the common good of the body, that we would know Christ, know the Father's heart, encounter the mystery of God. So what I want to do in a moment is I'm, pr- I'm going to pray, and then we're going to break out into our process groups. Because um, I know that we'll have people in this room all along the spectrum of like your experience of this stuff and your belief in it, and for some people it will be kind of uncomfortable, um, especially if you've been around Blueprint maybe a year or two, you're like, oh, we haven't talked about this in a while. Like, where's, where did my social justice church go? Um, um, but what two questions for your, your groups. Um, and so firstly um, would be... Um, have you ever seen any of these gifts at work, either in you or others? And do you feel God is calling out any of these gifts in you? And what we're going to do tonight, we're going to, um, we're going to pray for the baptism of the Spirit for people, which I'm going to talk about, but we're also going to pray in that, that these gifts of the Spirit would be released in people as well. It's going to be really cool. Um, so those questions one more time. Have you ever seen any of these gifts at work in yourself or others? And do you feel God is calling out any of these gifts in you? And those are some starter questions. If you need to go elsewhere with the chats, it's good too. So I'll pray. Lord, we um, thank you that you have given us everything we need to fulfill your mission of baptising the whole world in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, that you would be sitting in our conversations that you would be growing our hunger for what we don't yet have, that for those of us who maybe you have given us these things, but they kind of went a little quiet, would you awaken them within us? Um, And Lord, for those of us who are a little bit maybe scared or have trepidation, Lord, um, would you give us courage? Amen. So, um, yeah, we're going to go out. Oh, yes, you do this bit. Thanks, buddy. Super helpful. Yeah.